Welcome to the Neurobiopsy Podcast. I'm Audrey. This is a podcast where you will learn one type of neurological disease per episode, and it will be in alphabetical order. I will talk about its history as well as the cause and mechanism, and end it with the key cell or tissue that has been extracted for today's podcast biopsy. So we got to letter F today, and we're going to talk a little bit about Forrest syndrome. And I know this is another unfamiliar big word for most of us here, and that's what makes today's episode so engaging and fascinating. Let's get to it. Forrest syndrome is a rare genetically dominant inherited neurological disorder characterized by abnormal deposits of calcium in areas of the brain that controls movement. That includes the basal ganglia and the cerebral cortex. Okay, so now let's begin the episode with the history of our disorder. The condition was very firstly described by the German neurologist Carl Theodor Farr in 1930, hence the name Farr syndrome. And Farr initially referred to this condition as idiopathic basal ganglia calcification due to the calcifications often being found in the basal ganglia, a region deep within the brain that plays a crucial role in movement and coordination. Farr's disease is frequently observed to manifest in individuals during their 40s and 50s, and typically patients enjoy good health during their younger years, and it's in their later adulthood that this progressive neurodegenerative condition tends to emerge. The prevalence of Farr's disease remains relatively uncertain, primarily owing to the limited investigation of this kind of condition among the close family members of affected individuals. Although the exact cause of Farr syndrome remains poorly understood, it was initially considered an idiopathic and sporadic condition with no known underlying genetic or environmental triggers. Over time, research has suggested that genetic factors may play a role in some cases as there can be familial patterns of this kind of disease. Farr's disease is most commonly found to be inherited in an autosomal dominant pattern with incomplete and age-related penetrance, but it may also be transmitted as an autosomal recessive trait or occur sporadically. Farr's syndrome is characterized histologically by foci of symmetrical compounds embedded in a protein polysaccharide complex that are located within the globus pallidus, striatum, dentate nucleus, basal ganglia, as well as within white and gray matter of the brain and cerebellum. The deposits consist of calcium, zinc, iron, aluminum, magnesium, silicon, copper, and phosphorus. There are significant differences in the distribution of calcifications between individual patients. This may indicate the different mechanisms of their formation. The location within the brain structures as well as contact with blood vessels are the most important factors determining the chemical composition of the deposits. On this basis, two types of mineralization were described, nonvascular and paravascular. So far, there are four genes that have been proven to be related to primary familial brain calcification, namely SLC, PDGFRB, PDGFB, and XPR1. However, in the majority of patients, the syndrome does not have a genetic background. 46% of the cases have some unknown gene mutations. Other loci that have been linked to Farr's disease include IBGC1 locus at chromosome 14q, a locus at chromosome 2q, and another one at chromosome 8. 
Symptoms of Farr's syndrome can vary widely from person to person, but often include a combination of movement disorders, cognitive impairments, and psychiatric symptoms. These can include coordination problems, cognitive decline, mood changes, and psychiatric symptoms like psychosis. Farr's syndrome can also include symptoms characteristic of Parkinson's disease such as tremors, muscle rigidity, a mass-like facial appearance, shuffling gait, and a pill-rolling motion of the fingers. These symptoms generally occur later in the development of this kind of disease. More common symptoms include dystonia, which is disorder muscle tone, and chorea, which is involuntary rapid jerky movements. So with our tradition, I checked out clinical presentations of um, Farr's disease where um, the Farr's syndrome follows an insidious and gradual progression. Symptoms typically manifest between a person's fourth and sixth decade of life, although cases have been documented in both children and young adults. This clinical presentation varies based on the age onset, leading to the categorization of three distinct forms of this kind of syndrome, early childhood onset, which is marked by inhibited and mental development, and a higher likelihood of early mortality. The second one is early onset, which is around age 30, characterized by the presence of psychiatric symptoms. And the last one is late onset, around age 50, which is associated with the development of progressive dementia and movement disorders. Unfortunately, there is no known cure for Farr's syndrome, nor is there a standard course of treatment. Treatment addresses symptoms on an individual basis. In the majority of instances, treatment focuses on addressing symptoms and involves the use of antipsychotics, antidepressants, antiepileptic medications, and drugs designed to enhance cognitive function. A notable characteristic of Parkinsonian syndromes accompanied by calcifications is the significant resistance of levodopa therapy. This resistance is believed to stem from an insensitivity of postsynaptic striatal structures rather than the presynaptic damage observed in primary Parkinsonism. Progressive medical imaging techniques, including CT scans and MRI, has facilitated the diagnosis of Farr's syndrome by enabling the identification of distinctive calcium deposits in the brain. These deposits, also referred to as an intracranial calcification, are observable in different brain regions beyond just the basal ganglia. These calcifications are thought to interfere with regular brain function and are considered a significant factor contributing to neurological and psychiatric symptoms linked to the condition. So overall, today we talked about Carl Farr with his findings about Farr's syndrome, multiple genetic factors contributing to the development of this kind of disorder, as well as common symptoms induced by the disease. In today's episode, we examined the basal ganglia for a biopsy. That's all I have for this episode. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure to rate the view and subscribe. You can find future episodes on Spotify. Thanks again for listening. Bye.